This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. You've been you've come off a relaxed mode the last few weeks and I've caught up with you today and it's been a little bit stressful the last few days. You've been working a bit harder than you have been. It had been. It had been a, <laughs> a very relaxing sort of time, just sneaking down to the surf, well, that's where I live, the surf coast and... Just relaxing, and then the last couple of days, everything sort of spiced up again with uh, the potential reintroduction of the AFL season and AFL hubs with where everything sits at, which seems like the only way forward in terms of ret- of a return to play. Um, but there's a bit to work through, Redmond. There is, and where long story short, the question is, where is it at? Where is it at in the the players' perspective? I've heard rumours, and I think it even come out in the media of potentially around 21 weeks of the hubs. And that means basically you could be potentially away from your family for 21 weeks. And if that was me having my little fin just in the, in the recent days, and I know Gary Rowan, I've been catching up with him a bit down the surf coast for a walk every now and then to kick the footy. And he's just had his little, uh, little girl, Sadie, I don't know how his partner is going to take it when he tells him <laughs> he's going to be all gone for 21 days. And I know you've got Flick and George here too. So how's Mars going to take the news? <laughs> She's actually taken it pretty well, to be honest. Um, and this is very much a, um, a last port of call in terms of uh, if the borders weren't to reopen. This is as sort of, if you want to call it as bad as it could get, this is sort of where it's at. So yep. is it ideal? No, it's not ideal. But nothing and no situation at the moment for anyone is ideal. What we've said as players is that we're committed to restarting the season, but it's got to be done in a, in a reasonable manner, I suppose. So that's the challenge for, for us at the moment. And clearly there's a lot of players with families, there's players with pregnant partners, and how this all sits with them is a really, um, you know, really strong talking point for all. So... Um, I think the the where we're at is sort of talking through if there's a potential to reduce the length of these hubs because that's a, yep. a sticking point. But we're committed to working it through just in a reasonable manner. So um, with what we're hearing at the moment, there's the potential for relaxed border rules. But what it is is everyone speculating around where the contagion is at. If there's a spike, then clearly those border controls are going to be up for some time and the reality is you'd be in the hubs for a longer period of time. But you can't present a plan on what may happen. You need to look at the worst-case scenario and plan for that in order to get a season away efficiently because the balance for the players in the AFL is the ramifications if we don't play are really significant because the the financial cost is going to be felt for, for years to mm. come. And that's spread over not only just the... 
uh, immediate AFL industry. It's the second tier leagues. It's your local footy clubs that all rely upon, to some extent, the the money that is generated by the AFL. So it's not just a simple case of yes or no. We're going to work through it as best we can, and I've got no doubt we'll come to a, a resolution that can work for all as best as it possibly can in this sort of scenario, um, and we can get hopefully an AFL season away because um, – and we've spoken about this before. For a lot of people, this is their um, way of escaping. Well, I love watching, like I said to you, I have the boys over a barbie and watch the footy. Like it's, it's for mentally, for me, I'm hanging for it to start again. Like yeah, it's- so it, it, it starts and closes a week for a lot of people. So it's, it's balancing that, the responsibility that players what have. What days are today? <laughs> that, that players have to the game, but also providing an environment for the players that they um, have some sort of life balance within there and it's not just shut down for 21 weeks um, and then we just have to, you know, grit it and bear it working from a, a hotel room. So we'll find some middle ground, I've got no doubt. We'll work through that and we are working through that with the AFL and we'll come to a resolution that, that works for all and and hopefully you know, we'll just see a Cats premiership at the end of it, Redmond. Will it count? Absolutely it counts. And the fascinating sort of commentary around an asterisk year. That's why I asked it. <laughs> yeah, like it's... You know, this is this is just unheard of. So the team that, that is triumphant, they'll, they'll have, you know, triumphed in extreme adversity from a sporting sense. And what we do know is all the, the leagues around the world, um, they are looking at this sort of hub scenario. The reason why some aren't is because of the, the, the extreme cost that it does provide the, the league with. And that's the, that's the real sticking point. So... Um, like anything, it's it's always a balance and you know, we'll get to a resolution at some point throughout it. One last question. If the cats win, can I come to the party? You you've just become can a I, Can I come to the party? <laughs> no, I wanna come No, probably not. Oh, well, <laughs> look, we'll I, all still be allowed in groups of five. When I look at where it's at in terms of a return to play and a return for crowds, I can't see us this year playing and any sort of um, crowd-based. Yeah, any sort of sporting event around the world having some sort of crowds. I think we're going to look in the early stages to middle stages of next season before we see crowds. But, you know, what Australia have done incredibly well, we've seen it, uh, you know, in New Zealand, is just flattening of the curve and we're all doing our part um, with that. And, you know, I commend everyone because the the better we do it and we're doing it so well, the quicker we're going to be out of this bloody thing. Speaking of getting out of it, our man Dan Andrews pulled the uh, pulled the reins during the week, nice and firm. And all the other states, other than our one, Patrick in Victoria, has allowed fishing. Uh, and it's a very big call because there's a lot of pissed off boaties, fishermen, not golfers, in Victoria right now. He's and Sam, I am one of Sam, them. <laughs> is Sam Newman still at the front of um, <laughs> Parliament <laughs> steps or whatever it is? Oh, that's great. Look, I yeah, they are, and, and that's. And that is... You know, I'm at the stage now. I'm under, I, It's understandable. I'm at that point. Oh, and I totally get it. And I think what we're going to see, we're going to see relaxed rules on May 11. Uh, some of the rules that are going to come into play, I think it's going to be regional. Or from going off, we've spoke about this last week and I asked you the question. Yes, they will allow it at some point, but what's going to be... The question is, is how they're going to do it. I think it's going to be regional coming off the back of WA in Queensland. I think it's... Yep. I think one's 30Ks and the other one's 50Ks. You can travel from your ramp. Well, uh, sorry, to your nearest ramp. Yeah, what we're seeing at the moment is WA's. Is you can have now groups of 10. So um, they have seriously relaxed, albeit their border control is still like every other. Very, is very it strict. groups of 10, is it strict? Is it still at 1.5? 
groups of 10. Yeah, it's still your social distancing. So, yeah, it's making good decisions around that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah I, I think what we'll see, May 11, once those, um, you know, we get out of the current phase that we're in, we'll see a relaxing of the rules. We'll see fishing open up. We'll see... Um, golf being allowed to play, so it's within your region. I'm still not convinced Andrews is going to open it. I'm on that. St- I'm, I'm going with it that he is, but I'm just you know when it's in the back of your head going, he might pull a stun on us. Well, it all depends on how many cases we're going to see. Yeah, if, if you see an outbreak, it's not opening up. But at the moment, if it continues to track, I think we are going to see it open up, and that sort of leads to the discussion for us is if you're not prepared to go out in the boat and you know, fill up the car and fill up the boat and pick up bait and all that sort of thing. Beach fishing is just about as isolated as you possibly can get when it comes to fishing, and we're going to focus very much today, Redmond, on beach fishing. Yeah, we are. ISO. And fishers, let's be honest, fishers love isolation. They love going out just by themselves, and this is a great way to get back into fishing. Yeah, beach fishing is definitely something that if, depending on, like you said, some people won't be able to travel to boat ramps, so if you live away from a ramp and you want to get, and you live near a beach, for example, yourself, you don't live in distance of certain ramps, so if you want to go fishing... Or people. Or people. <laughs> so you can head down to your local beach here, and you can you can catch, we're going to start with just salmon, basically. Yep. Salmon is coming into winter months, are going to be right along our beaches, in some serious numbers. And we've uh, seen huge, like Western Australia at the moment. Yes. You know, the salmon runs, it's driving people nuts because um, you can't go out and chase them up and down the coast. So you've got to stay within your region yep. and that's fine. So when they do come into your proximity, it's go time. And beach fishing is, like you said before, you can do it by yourself or with a friend if you're allowed to win twos or whatever, fives, or whatever it comes down to. And you're going to catch some really quality fish. And I just mentioned the salmon. And the reason I mentioned the salmon is because the salmon creates such a good bait for all species. It's just a dynamite bait. So if you can get out there before the sun goes down and you can catch yourself a handful of salmon for bait for the night, that's what I'd be doing. Now, when I am beach fishing and I'm wanting to target a species as such, like a good species, let's call it a good species. So I don't want to target your rays or your Port Jacksons. I want to target gummy sharks, school sharks, snapper, whiting. That's our main target in along our beaches. Yep. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to head down the beach and I'm going to find a reef. A reef's going to be the first thing that I'm looking for because. So what are we looking for with a reef? Yeah, you can best way to spot them. Yeah, the best. This is for gummies and along the like. Salmon, we're going to look for gutters. You can walk along the sand side of things and and find your gutters. But looking for reefs, generally using your eyes, looking for reef. So, so the darker patches. The darker the patches in the, in the water, yeah, that's right. And you'll see it. Make sure you've got yourself good polarised sunnies. They make a massive difference, especially beach fishing. But a good way to do it, Pat, is by getting up high. So walking along a dune. So for example, we'll just go. We'll just talk about uh, Ocean Grove Beach. We'll just go along there. You can walk along up on the dunes on the path, and you can see into the water, and you can clearly see where the reef is. And that's how we're going to find those grounds. So you, it might, you might have done it two weeks before you're actually going to go fishing. So yeah, there's a reef there. Well, I saw it when I was walking the dog. So you, find, you, you target that area. You don't want to fish up on top of the reef because so you can do your recon now. You're allowed to go. <laughs> you're allowed to go, go for a walk. Walk along the beach. Hundred percent. You do your recon now, and you can head along. Uh, you can walk along the beach, set up along the reef. And what I mean by along the reef is don't get on the reef because it's just not going to work. You're going to have surge, which is going to push your your sinkers into the into the reef. You're going to have snags. If you cast on it, you're going to have snags. You want to get 
around the reef. And this comes back to the perspective of diving, how I dive for craze. I don't dive on the reef for craze. I get off the reef because just off the reef, there's always little reefs around it. And you want to target those areas just and get your- rubble. Yep. Yeah, just rubbly ground, broken ground. And those gummies- are going to be patrolling, and the snapper and the whiting, they're going to be patrolling the edges of those major reefs and pushing out onto those other ones to feed. And that's where we're going to set up. Talk to me about time of day when it comes yeah. to, to fishing for these because clearly you're not just talking about going down at any stage yeah. during the day. This is the issue and that we're going to have in the next month is is being so cold. Uh, it is going to start, well, I think the last few days we've had 11, 12, 13 degrees. It's been freezing cold. So... It is going to be cold if you are going to start to fish them during the winter, but there's ways around it. Don't worry. The fishers, they've been locked up for We're, the last that's month. Exactly. We, are, we are ready to go. We'll go to Antarctica Ra- in our jocks. Ra- rain, hail or shine, we are ready to fish. So how we're going to keep warm is waders. Not hard. I think you can get a good pair for about 80 or 100 bucks these days, Pat. Nearly every second shop sells them. You can get, and I'd be getting the boot waders, which uh, come up to your waist. Even just the ones that just come up above your waist, like an overall sort of look. Yep. The and individual legs, the problem is the surge of the waves. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as they fill up, they don't get any warmer. No, so don't have the ones that are individual. And not only that, is you can bloody drown in them if they do fill up. Yep, absolutely. So get the ones that come right up. And you can, when you're surf fishing, I like to walk out to cast my baits. You get an extra. 30 metres sometimes. So if you get up to your waist, you're well and truly 30 metres out at times, especially on the days where there's smaller swell. But back to your question, I should have answered that, is fishing on dark into dark has always been my most success. Whiting, snapper and gummies. But not only that, you've got species like bronze whalers and the likes uh, that are just, they're always along our beaches, even in winter. And a huge amount of fun as well to fish for those. And massive fun. They pull and there's nothing better than running up and down the beach with your drag pulling out of your (laughs) rod. And it's really good. Even if you get a big ray, because it's different to a boat where you're straight up and down, is they're actually travelling and you travel with it. You can run with it. (laughs) Look, that's how you got fit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Talk to me about the importance of actually having surf rods and surf gear yeah or can you do it with just the if you've just got your you know you generally fish out of boat can you use that sort of gear or would you be recommending a bigger line bigger the swell the more i'm going to recommend your surf gear i would always go your surf gear the reason for that is they're made to cast you can get beautiful graphite rods now and once again they're not expensive and you only need a couple of surf rods two rods and two reels you can go to an 8,000 or a 10,000 reel with 30 or 50 pound braid. I'd be using the braid to cut through the swell better than the mono. Definitely braid. And the surf rod, like that's up to you on the side. They go right up to nearly 100 feet these days. They're long They're long rods. But you want to get a rod that balances in your hand nicely to cast. Some people are stronger than others. I know uh, I used to surf fish a hell of a lot. And Gibbsy had this much heavier rod than me. And I had this lighter rod that was a little bit smaller. But I could cast his rod nowhere near as far as I could cast mine, but he was the other way around with mine because it was lighter for me and he was stronger than me. He could cast out further with that, but with mine, I had the technique. So it was two different things that suited you. So go to your tackle store, chuck a reel on it with your rod and balance it out and you'll, you'll feel straight away what I'm talking about. So head down to your local beach, Find a reef. You've caught your salmon the days before surf fishing with your little spinners or with your pilly baits, and you're going to catch some seriously quality fish. Gummies, like I said, gummies along our beaches uh, uh, through winter are in big numbers. And the good thing is those gummies come in shallow water as the sun comes down. And my biggest gummy, I did a gummy shark talk night on Wednesday night for our members and Salt Guide, and I showed my biggest gummy, and I put a question out there. I want everyone to guess whoever gets the closest to the depth of this gummy, I'll give a prize away. And everyone was like, 30 metres, 40 metres, 20 metres. I was in eight metres of water in the boat, just yep. off the back of the surf down off Bells Beach. Like, 
nice and close, eight metres of water on the back of a little reef. And to tell you the honest truth, I'm not far off the shore there, and those gummies have got the best sense out of all sharks, and that so was just on dark. Yep. You can get them from the beach. And I've caught gummies 25 kilo plus from the beach, and I've had nights where I've caught three, four, five of them, as well as three or four snapper. Uh that's enough on beach fishing for the second, Pat. I just want to throw something to you quickly. I don't know if you've seen this during the week. No, you can't throw it because we're out of time. That's why <laughs> you, you never keep a track of the actual rundown in our time. We're due for a break. <laughs> Huge episode of Real Adventures coming your way after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the Social Club where we answer your questions from social media. Make sure you shoot them through on our Instagram or Facebook page at Real Adventures Redmond. You cut me off shortly. I was before I was going to mention this little black marlin that caught was on a caught on a plastic out of Noosa chasing Mac Tuna. Did you see that? I Only did. a tiny black marlin. It was and it begs the question, would you rather catch a yeah, I was gonna ask you know, you that. couple of hundred kilo black marlin, which if you're going to catch them, you know, they're generally 80 to, you know, yeah, they're 200. Big, yeah, up to sometimes 1,000 pounds. But your averages yep. versus this, which is really very, very rare. What an incredible fish. I'd, I'd rather catch a How, small You've got the photo in front of you. It's only about two foot long, isn't it? Yep. At, two, at, three foot. <laughs> at its absolute max. And they like, said it went off acrobatic. Like, it didn't fight that much because it was so small on that gear yep. they were using. But they said it was jumping out of the water. And my question as well to you is, what age, like, why are they jumping out of the water? I know it's to dislodge the hook, but how do they know by jumping out of the water is going to do that? Well, I think, like that, that's, is, I think that, is, that is all of a sudden it's in their mouth. Hang on, I want to get this out. So whatever it is to do to get rid of head. it, it's, it's the best opportunity. Right, back to the social club. But I'm not a black marlin, Aaron, so, you know, you need to talk to them I'm a about red, it. I'm a red marlin. Uh, our first question comes from Greg. Would you ever catch a gummy shark on a wire trace? Now, this comes back to surf fishing too, Pat. This is a good question. So with this surf fishing, it's hard to get a wire trace out there, but people often think of wire trace as being 10 foot long. You don't have to have a 10 foot long trace. You've got to remember the main reason you have a trace is to avoid the teeth. So how I look at it is you want to have a trace as long as, as wide as a shark's mouth. If you're targeting now, I, I do use long traces when I'm in a boat, but I'm talking yep. casting off the beach. You can have a two-foot trace, two-and-a-half-foot trace, and if you get a shark with a mouth that's two-and-a-half-foot wide, it's a big one. So <laughs> <laughs> so basically what I'm trying to say is... Yes, it is a big one. Two-foot of trace attached to a 100-pound leader is going to be plenty to land bronzies off the beach. I was going to say, it obviously speaks to your leader because the... Um, just how tough a shark skin is, that's what's yep. going to wear and tear on the yeah, line. And that's why you have that 80 or 100 pound because a gummy shark skin is pretty much as tough as any other shark. It's the same feel of shark. It's that sandpapery, um, sandpapery uh, skin. Texture, so yep. Texture, that's right. So having that 100 pound on your lead or even 80, I use 80 on gummies. How, how long would you have it? So I'd have my two foot of the, the wire trace or even a foot and a bit just to avoid the teeth. And then you want your maybe a meter. So you, you, you want to be able to cast it. And if you have it too long, you'll know it'll be hitting the sand. You don't want to be casting it in the sand. And if you have it too short, it'll be the sand, it'll be just hanging off the end of your rod. So you'll work the balance out, but roughly a metre, 1.2, depending on how tall you are. And like I said, the wire trace, I've caught so many gummy sharks on wire trace. I have dropped down gummy sharks in the South Channel and offshore. I've been bitten off 10 times in the last few minutes. So I'm going to stuff this. I'm putting a trace down. 
Of course, Bruce doesn't eat that one. The gummy shark eats the wire trace. I've had beautiful baits to the right. So, yes, I have caught gummies on wire trace, and it is well worth, if you're getting bit off, whether you're on the boat, on the surf, creating your own wire trace and putting a bait down there with on, on the end of the trace. So is it creating your own, or is it... Would you, do you prefer to make them yourself, yeah, I or make you buy them stock? I, I, you can buy them stock, and you'll get some fantastically made uh, traces. But I definitely... You know me, I, I make all my own stuff. I just have the own security in my head. Uh, it's not hard. You buy a bit of wire, you get the metal crimps, and you have your crimping tool, and it's not hard to do. It really isn't hard, and it'll take you a couple of minutes to make them. So, well worth Especially those smaller ones. They're yeah, harder yep. to find those smaller ones in length. I was going to say, you can actually tailor it to the size that you want. 100%. And that's yep. where I said your foot or two. You can make it yourself and cut it down to the size that you need. Bailey, I want to get a casting rod to cast stick baits this year at barrels. What would you get and what size reel would you match it with? Bailey. I'll tell you what, anyone at Portland at the moment, they are just going, if this opens up on May 11, this is going to be sensational because no other bastard can come down and fish from, None of us from, from Melbourne or anywhere else. <laughs> hate we'll, us. we'll get it to ourselves for the first time in a, in a long time. How's Pork McDonald's barrels just continue? Anyway, back to what we asked. Uh, I'm gonna, Bailey, I'm going to cover you with a couple of things here. I'm going to cover you with a casting rod, not necessarily just for stick baits, but uh, well, it is stick baits as well, but I mean like for GTs as well, it'll cover that. But not only that is... You want something that can cover a few bases because yeah, you're well, going to spend generally better money when you're using... When you're buying this sort of rod, to be able to bring in barrels. And marlin fishing too. That's my next one. So marlin fishing, you can throw a live bait in. Instead of pitching it and having to throw your leader out of a 50 wide, you can rig up one. So you can actually cast your liveys to the seals. So it's going to cover you for that. I'm using... What, you're catching seals? No, to the seals because the marlin live under the seals. <laughs> I don't do any... I, don't, I never harm a seal, Patrick. And I really enjoy fishing with seals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be using your... Your, your extractor, 80 pop, that's what I'll be using. Yep. It is just such a good rod. It's in the samurai range. Uh, the, the reason I mention this, Pat, is because they say, oh, money. It's expensive. Oh, shit. Look what you're catching. You're catching a barrel. You need yep. an expensive rod. You'd need yep. a quality rod to catch these fish. I wouldn't be spending $150 on a stick bait rod that says it can do it yep. because you might get one or two fish on it. You might. But the third one, it, it, it's you might snap it. But not only that, those cheaper rods when you're catching these big, big fish work against you. I was going to say, it's the bend of the rod. Like, that's right. This is all helping you. It's to all do to with not, the taper of the rod. Not to not put too much pressure on the fish at the wrong time. Exactly. And then it comes back to being on your back too. So the rod actually bends all the way through the rod to the handle. And so when the fish pulls harder, it doesn't pull you, it pulls the rod and uses the rod to bring the fish back up to you. And not only that, they cast a lot better. I'd just be matching it with your cheap Stella. <laughs> just your 20,000 Stella. Now, nah, and once again, quality reel. I would be using a quality reel. Yep. So your Stella is probably where I'd be looking at, especially if you're chasing these fish. Save up over 12 months for it. Can you can you give me a cheaper option then? Saragossa? Yep. Yep, you can get some big Saragossas. So, so we're looking at sort of the, the three to $400 range with a Saragossa yep. rather than a literally thousand, the extra th- the extra thousand dollars you're going to Saragossa pay. is going to do it, and I caught a couple of marlin this year. Oh, I only one marlin this year on a Saragossa. I think it was a fifteen, and it handled it fine. But that was only one fish. I don't know what the second, third, and fourth fish is going to be like. And they're a fantastic reel of Saragossa. I don't think you can beat them for your, your normal everyday fishing for the price. I don't think there's anything better than it. Yep. I wouldn't have stallers for my gummy fishing. I just think yep. it's overkill. Yep. But they're perfect for that. But like I said. You only need one stick bait rod for yourself. The trophy you, fish. You can't catch two at once. <laughs> so unless you've got a mate that you want to cover too. So yep. 
just one of those. Last question, Patrick. Uh, last question is from Brendan. G'day, boys. I love the show. Red, you spoke winter whiting a few weeks back, and you mentioned uh, the swell for them that creates the dirty water on the incoming tide. Uh, what website do you follow your swell with? All right, if you're fishing down the Port Phillip Bay heads, do not look at Willy Weather for your swell. It will not give you an accurate reading on your swell. Yep. You will never, ever have an accurate reading. What you're going to use is yeah. Swellnet. Given Willy Weather the uh, gaff this Fan- morning. Fantastic for their weather. I love them for their wind. Everyone complains, but we always speak on the show. The reason they get it wrong is it's not Willy Weather. It's quite often the person because they're looking at a place is on land yep. rather than looking at a pole light. For example, someone will type in, I'm fishing out of Queenscliff today. They'll search Queenscliff. They'll give a report and you'll read it in the corner. It'll say Avalon Airport and it will come up Avalon Airport. Instead of searching the South Channel Pilot, which will give you your accurate accurate wind reading for that bay in the area you're fishing. So just a little tip there. But Swellnet is the only one that I use for my swell. It's what the surfers use, and it will give you exactly in metres what time it's going to come up and the speed that it's travelling. So to answer your question for the whiting for that dirty water, use Swellnet, Barwon Heads, and it will give you your swell, which is going to come through the Port Phillip Bay heads. They don't get it right every time they do that. No, it's it's not. It's it's a, like you said, nature with fishing. I don't catch fish. Oh, well, I do, but no, I don't catch fish every single time. Yep. But it's damn bloody close, Pat. These days, especially technology is so good. The uh, swells they're very good at reading swell. Um, yep. Yeah, like I said today, uh, the last couple of days has been small swell. And I don't know. I don't know if it's today or tomorrow. The swell kicks up to about six or eight meters along the surf coast, and. And you can watch the graph where it says it starts to build, and I follow it religiously, and and it's quite often it's very very close, so it's very good. That wraps up the social co- uh, the social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. Redmond, it is time for our dream boating destinations. Thanks to Club Marine, ensure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Our dream boating destination this morning is 90 Mile Beach. It is, Patrick. It's just on 60 miles long. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's actually 94 miles long. There's actually plenty of beaches around. Like where, I know, I read. That's just not right. Doing my research this morning, there's one in New Zealand that they call 90 Mile Beach. And they, the reason that it was 90 mile, each, 90 mile Each is because when the settlers first went there, it used to take them uh, it used to take them to do 30, it used to take them a day to do 30 kilometers, uh, thirty miles. Yep. So it, would take them, it took them three days to do the beach, which was 90 mile. So that's why they called it 90 Mile Beach. But they didn't account for the sand slowing the horses down. So it's not 90 miles. So that was the... <laughs> Jeez, I did my research this morning, didn't I? Um, yeah, you're making a huge amount of sense. 90, <laughs> 90 Mile Beach. 90 Mile Beach is two hours roughly from Melbourne. So depending on which part of the 90 miles you're travelling to, it can be a little bit further, it can be a little bit longer, a little bit less, sorry. In East Gippsland. It's down on the southeast coast of the East Gippsland region. So it's down the southeast coast, uh, the bushfire affected areas. So once all these band lifts and we're allowed to go, make sure we get down there and support this region. And it runs from Port Albert right through to Lakes Entrance and both beautiful places. Um, and it also, I don't know if you know this, it separates Gippsland to Bass Strait. Uh, the Gippsland Lakes to Bass Strait. So it separates that hole in between there, which is a massive area, Pat. It's uh, a serious sand dune, don't worry. It's a massive sand dune. Um, it's one of the most unspoiled beaches in the world. It's beautiful along there. It's the sand, I don't know if you've seen it, but the sand down there is just crystal clear because it's nearly untouched. Um, the, it's got places so such as Woodside, Lodge Sports, Sea Spray, Golden Beach and Lakes Entrance, and which they're the major tourist areas. So if you are looking for somewhere to stay, Google those areas and you'll be able to find your accommodation in those areas and they'll have some really good caravan parks, 
most of the seaside uh, towns these days have fantastic caravan parks. And good pubs in Lakes Entrance as well, which is, of fantastic course, important. Fantastic pub. Not that alcohol consumption's uh, increased over uh, COVID-19 lockdown. No, not at all. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I digress. And coming off the back of our show, surf fishing. It's a huge drawing card along the 90-mile beach. Uh, just quickly, though, there are a few jetties, which are in Port Albert, McLaughlin's Beach, Locksport, just to name a couple. There are some fantastic jetties you can take the kids to as well. But like I said, the surf fishing, you can catch literally anything along these beaches from uh, snapper. A lot of big flatties down there, which is nothing better than trying waiting for a shark and catching a dozen it cracking is, flatties. It is the home, especially the, the estuary system. Through yep. there, it is the home of big flatties. Massive flathead. And also, of course, your gummy sharks and your smooth sharks, so like your schoolies as well. But the thing that the reason people travel down to 90 Mile Beach is to chase Bruce, big, big Bruce. There's some fantastic shark fishing down there, whether it's your drone fishing or casting your baits out. Drone fishing has taken off down there, sending baits out super far to try and get these sharks with a burly trail right along the 90 Mile Beach. So I was going to say up here and I took it out, it is a great place to go swimming along this beach. No, I don't think it is because there's a lot of pe- people chasing sharks. And the sharks you can encounter there are Big, big bronze whalers. Three metres long. I'm not joking. Really big ones. Hammerheads have been caught there. A lot of makos have been caught off the beach there as well. And I've known that I know this for a fact. There's been numerous great whites caught along there. And a couple of them have been mistaken for makos in the past. And I've seen them on social media, which is... I don't know if it was an accident or it was because I got caught. People realise, holy crap, I've just caught an endangered species. I'm in trouble. <laughs> it's now a mako. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but basically, it is a really, really good place to uh, set up camp. And I've got a lot of people that message me, do you ever do drone fishing? I, I don't. And I know that you started to and you slowed off a bit, but I'm sure you'll get back into it. Drone fishing down there is going to take off. It's probably the one place where I would head and target drone fishing because yeah. the, what you catch there is just quality. It's worth the effort to do things. And what I mean by that, to set baits out on a shark bait and catch a big three-metre shark. Don't get me wrong. The surf fishing is good along the rest of Victoria, but this place, is is, it it's gets. nearly untouched and is just about as good as it gets. 90 Mile Beach is our dream boating destination for this morning. Club Marine is Australia's leading provider of insurance for boats and jet skis, and now you can win the dream with Club Marine. Club Marine members have the chance to win a share of over $260,000 in prizes, including a Ram 1500 Laramie pickup truck and a Northbank 600C boat and trailer package. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions apply. Call for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. New South Wales permit number LTPS 19 slash 33208. Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard. Thanks to the Dometic CIB 26 Cooler Bag. Keep food and drinks cool on your adventures. Our special guest this morning is our Real Adventures official chef, Sammy Goodwin. Good morning, Sam. Morning, boys. Today's Sammy is uh, our beach fishing special and I've been fortunate enough, Pat, to have really fun days with Sam, standing there with a camera, recording him on a beach cooking fish. So, Well, he's cooked, he's, he's cooked fish on beaches. He's cooked in the snow. He's used to cooking <laughs> in uh, remote locations, nah. Redmond. So, Sammy, when it comes to beach fishing, if we are, once um, the bands are relaxed and we're allowed to go out there, fishing in remote locations and cooking in, re- in remote locations but still making it taste good, what are the keys to it? It's one I've been waiting for 
four for a while, Pat. Um, <laughs> been lucky to do a fair bit since the show. Um, and I've definitely learned a lot along the way through uh, both mistakes and triumphs. Um, the key point to it definitely, there's probably two that I'd um, encourage, and this goes a long way in all cooking, not just remote. Be prepared and keep it simple. We're I think pretty- when it comes to when it comes to keeping it simple, fish eyes don't want <laughs> twenty different um, ingredients to add to it. So you obviously nah. need a decent cooker, or can you cook off coals? Or what's what? How, how do you generally do it? You're either going to be um, setting up a, a nice little fire in your campfire on the beach. Um, in that case, I'd encourage you to have a make sure your firewood's dry so you're not fiddling around trying to start a fire. And B, a nice little uh, griddle to put over your open coals, or you can stick a pan directly over. Now, anything with uh, a bit of weight to it, cast iron is preferable. Definitely going to hold your heat better. Um, otherwise, you're going to be cooking over a little butane stove, which is all good and well. But as I've experienced in the past, the wind is a massive issue with those. So make sure you set up with something that can be a little wind, wind block. And then you're going to be on the path to creating something pretty tasty. Well, speaking of tasty, you catch a nice fish off the surf. Say, for example, in this case, Sam, you get a nice snapper. You're setting up for a gummy shark. You catch a nice snapper. What are we going to do to that snapper to keep it simple but to make it taste decent on the coals that you're talking about and your cast iron pan? What I'd encourage, if you know you're going to go fishing and you're going to set up and you intend to cook... Take bacon and eggs? Prepared. (laughs) Yeah, in in your case, take bacon and eggs. Me and Pat might do all right, get a few down at Mogs there. Um, I'd be prepared. Make uh, make sure you've got just some butter or some extra virgin olive oil that you cook in as a starting point. And then if you want to go that step further, prepare like a little sauce to go over the, over the top. Now, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You might make like a salsa if you want to put your, your fish into tacos or tortillas, like chop up some tomatoes, a few fresh herbs, a bit of lime juice. Or then if you're intending to do something like just barbecue your fish, I love like a chimichurri over the top, which is literally just whatever herb you've got chopped up and mixed through a bit of um, olive oil with garlic. And if you put that on any fish, whether it's your whiting, it's your salmon, it's your snapper, it's going to be freaking amazing. Speaking of salmon, it's a very common caught fish along the surf. Sam, have you had much experience cooking it? Because for me, Pat doesn't mind it fresh. For me, it's not something that appeals to me. No, it comes up a, a lot um, in conversations about cooking and eating and there's always those guys that say, you know, it's good if you eat it fresh. Um, I think it all comes down to how you handle that fish from the moment it's caught. Like if you look at how we treat a kingfish, for, for instance, and we get it outside the head, you've got numerous videos up on Salt Guide with it where we're spiking it, we're getting into that ice slurry all to improve the eating quality of that fish. Whereas I know when we go salmon fishing and we're just fishing for bait, we're just chucking them in the SQ one after the other using it for bait. But let's say we handle one of those properly and we spike it and we get it on ice, it's going to be pretty good eating quality for the next couple of days. Um, I'd still eat it pretty fresh within the first few days. It's always going to be best. But um, there's some of the best restaurants in the country that are actually serving it on their menu. Most commonly, you would see it barbecued, like get that skin nice and crispy and charred on the barbie and dress it in some olive oil and some fresh herbs, which is what you can easily do on the beach. Sammy, what about when it comes to cooking snapper, 
uh, we people wrap them up in foil, but creating the crispy skin while still having it wrapped in foil, um, I've found really difficult at times. How do you manage to, to get yeah. that crispy outer layer but still preserve the juices inside so you don't dry out the fish? That's um, probably a bit of a contradiction and won't really happen. When you're wrapping in foil, you're steaming it, which is always, it's nearly the fail-proof way to do it. Like, it's always going to be tender and juicy and yum, but you're never going to get that crispy skin. So you get the crispiness and you're not wrapping it in foil. You are uh, going straight, oil the skin, lots of salt on the outside too and straight on the barbecue. And you do get that crispy skin, but you risk overcooking it. So the outside bit of flesh is always going to be slightly overcooked before you cook that middle of the fish if you're doing it whole. So you can you can actually par cook it and get a bit of colour on the skin and then wrap it in foil and it softens the heat, but you're always kind of um, playing with that balance between a crispy skin and a beautiful tender inside. Sammy, just you're better one, off. Well, just one last thing before we do let you go. My theory, Patrick, on cooking salmon is you, you cook the salmon. I'm not talking to you, mate. You we've put, got, the we've sock, got an expert you put your here. sock next to it on the stove. <laughs> you throw your salmon out and eat the sock. Is that a good theory, good man? <laughs> not a bad one. I reckon, I reckon we do. I reckon we do the test tab good. We get a salmon, we spike it, we put it in the slurry, and we compare it to a kingfish. And I don't reckon there's going to be too much difference. All right. Well, Patrick, that's the new Real Adventures Challenge. Once we do film this with Sammy, we're going to do some filming soon, Pat. And we're going to catch a salmon, and we're going to spike it, and you're going to taste it. <laughs> uh, Sammy Goodwin, our official Real Adventures chef. Thank you for joining us this morning, mate. See you later, boys. Thanks, Sammy. That was all aboard for Dometic, Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. It's time for Red's review. And if you've got a review that you'd like Aaron to conduct on basically anything when it comes to the great outdoors or fishing or boating, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures uh, social media pages, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Redman. It is Patrick, it, surf fishing. That's our topic surf fishing for the past session today. It has been. Bait pump. Have you ever done this? I have actually. It's bloody fun, isn't it? One of the things I really enjoyed as a young kid going out and pumping bait. And well, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions in a minute. And this way, hey, COVID-19 means you don't have to go in to collect your bait from anywhere. You can go get it yourself in isolation. Can you? Or your bait pump. If you've already got a bait pump, you go out there to the beach, you're in isolation. Oh, you're sorry, not yeah, seeing you got, anyone yeah, while yeah. you go and then go so, fishing. So we've spoken beaches, like I said, this morning, and this is really, really fun. But it's not to do – it's not just fun for yourself – it's fun for kids. And what I mean by that is if you want to – I have taken kids down doing this so many times. They just love it, picking them up off the ground, playing around, going through the, the mud to pick them up. It gives you a massive benefit as well because the next day when you're going out to chase your whiting, you've got some awesome whiting bait. So I've spoken about this so many times because people ask me, are bass yabbies worth pumping? For me, I'm going to be straight up. As such, no. Not if I'm going out whiting fishing. Because it's just a lot of effort to do it. But if I've got time on my side, and like you said before, taking the kids or I want to kill a few hours, that's when the bait pump comes in handy and you're going to catch yourself some awesome fresh baits. Where I would catch bass yabbies and the likes that bait pumps uh, will provide you is when I'm going fishing for like brim. So for example, Pat, say you and I are going down to the Pankalak down here and you said to me, bring some bait. I would make the effort to catch bass yabbies because they're going to catch you fish more often than they won't. They'll beat the bread. They'll beat everything. I know George will argue this with me, but they do, they are a fantastic bait for bass yabbies for brim and the likes. So 
the places you can do this, Barwon River, fantastic safe place. In the shallows there, there's minimal tide in the shallows in Barwon River. Ankle deep, you're walking through the water with the kids. They can't get hurt. So around the, around the country, you're looking for places with minimal tidal movement. Yeah, in the shallows, Or yep. just doing it at low tide and picking your time. And that's the other po- important part is low tide. Now, that was my question for you is, are there any places around Mogs Hill on the beach you can do it around here? Oh, we've done it up in sort of Spout Creek, up yep. in the corners. And yep. once again, you can do this right around the country. It's just picking your tides and your times. Um, and having a, a bait pump in order to go and pump it. And a place there are millions of these is Western Port. Western Port, they are by the thousands in there, literally every bank. You jump out of the boat, you pump them, you're going to have them. They're around $50. You can get them from your local tackle store. You can either side of 50 bucks. Make sure that you do clean them afterwards because the seal in them, Pat, can go to rubbish very, very quickly. And if you don't have the seal on it, the pump's not going to work. BCF, Anaconda, and the likes all should have them as well as online. Big W have them as well for 50 bucks. So. Do they? Big W? Yep, absolutely. There you go. Yep. You're, one thing I'm just going to mention in there that you will need, and this makes a huge difference, is a basket. So your shopping basket... I didn't say steal it from Woolworths, but basically your shopping basket. You no, have no, you did not. <laughs> so your shopping basket, you take down with you. You sit it on the ground or in the water, and it might be say four or five inches covered in water where you're pumping, and you pump straight in. Just keep pumping holes, hole from hole into this basket, and just don't even look at it. And what happens is when you lift it up, you shake the basket, all the mud and the silt will fall through it, and all of a sudden your basket is just going to have a clean. Basket of Basiabis, Pat. So that there is the only tip I can give you for uh, Basiabis, as in the number one tip, is have yourself a Woolworths basket. (laughs) That's Red's review. If you want more information on uh, bait pumps, you can basically look them up and Google them and you'll get all the information you need when it comes to purchasing them. Plenty more Real Adventures after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. It's time for Red's tip for new age caravans designed for the road ahead, Redmond. I can't wait till we can go out fishing, Pat. Oh, really? I can't wait. I honestly, oh, no, a few weeks ago, I was a little bit like, all right, I'm all right. I'm not now. I'm sad. <laughs> now you're struggling. <laughs> and I don't want to jinx this too much, Pat, but I'm making the all early call here. I know I said at the show, like, he may not do it just to annoy us, but I'm making the early call. We have, uh, we've done the right things in the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. We've got now uh, rigs ready. All our reels have been serviced because we've talked about this. For I know nearly how long it is. It's been over six weeks, Pat, because we've been in isolation. And we've spoken about so many things you can do to get ready for fishing. Now is the time to get ready because Mr. Andrews is going to be kind to us in the next couple of weeks. You hope he He's is. going to be kind to us in the next couple of weeks. So in the next week or so, because it's, it's probably only 10 days now until 10 or 11... I don't know what the date is, but it's not far away. We're, and by the way, let me just put a little uh, disclaimer. We're not promising on um, no, May 11 that it opens, but we're, I'm prom- no. we're damn hopeful. <laughs> this is a hopeful thought. Or Dan hopeful. Uh, Dan hopeful. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> now, Mr. Andrew's going to be kind, but he's going to only do this if you check your steering. This is the tip. Check your steering. For the guys that have still got cable, check your steering. Make sure it hasn't seized because you probably haven't moved the thing. That's happened to me numerous times. Lots of times. The little boat. Poor little boat. <laughs> Trailer lights, make sure they're working just because the coppers are going to be on, on your edge. They, they're going to be at ramps. They're going to be, they're going to be on your tail. And Police, just do the right thing. It's simple. It is do the right thing, but they're going to be that little bit harder, I reckon, just to prove their point. But batteries is a big one. Yep. It's not hard now. We've reviewed these in the past, and you can listen to our shows in the past. 
by going to podcast and you can search through there and you'll see my review and we've talked about different things you can use to have your batteries ready to go whether it's a trickle charge or a, or a battery pack where you can just jump start them quickly and ready to go but make sure your batteries are charged because imagine getting down to the ramp after the covid pass or after we're allowed to fish and not being able to start your boat pat so the tip this week mr andrews is going to be kind to us get your boats ready the, the things you need for the last minute thing so your batteries and the likes and we're going to go fishing very soon hopefully that was red's t- red's tip for new age caravans take your caravan experience to the next level new age caravans designed for the road ahead the flying gaff it's pretty simple this week redmond um sammy groth you're getting the gaff mate and i love sammy can i ask who sammy groth is he's a uh, australian tennis player um Generally commentates tennis when it's in Australia, the Aussie Open. And uh, Sammy took uh, umbrage to the players being unwilling when it comes to the hubs. And he spoke about um, tennis players going overseas. And, uh, well, Grothy, here's some feedback for you. Uh, you weren't actually experiencing a pandemic when you were going overseas and travelling around the world. You could go out in London and enjoy the streets of London. You could travel through New York and go out and get a Shake and Shack burger. Uh, <laughs> but at the moment, it's slightly different. So, uh, Sammy can, I, Groth, can I stick up for you here? As well, I'm sticking up for you. They've signed up for that. Well, exactly right. You didn't sign up for this. So, Sammy, that's my argument. Sorry, and I do love Sammy. Sammy, you have the gaff, mate. Uh, thank you for joining Real Adventures this morning. It's time to stay in COVID. Put your batteries cover, on charge, but get the batteries on charge and gear up because and hopefully, pray for Andrews. <laughs> fishing is coming. See you later. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.